This message comes from NPR sponsor Patreon, allowing creators to build real, sustainable income through the direct support of their fans. If you're a creator, sign up on Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, and start building the steady income stream you deserve. For NPR Music, I'm Rodney Carmichael, and you're listening to the sounds of Reggie Snow. Rainbow. So Reggie is a rapper from Dublin, Ireland, of all places, and his new album is out. Well, it came out last week, and it's called Dear Annie, and Sidney Madden, also of NPR Music, and I got to talk to him about his love of artsy rap, jazz, the language of cinema, and how he works it all into his music. We dug into a lot of songs from Dear Annie, and we started out with this track, Rainbows. I want to pull out a couple verses from the song, if, if I can, Yeah, Robbie. yeah, let's right, do cool. that. Cold sweats in my religion was to be black like Mike and licorice. I'm a star, I'm a king, I'm champion to those black face, black tastes. Um, there's a great sense of black pride and appreciation within a lot of this music, which I really love. And I just want to go back to a little bit your upbringing, if you will. How did you find hip-hop being a young black kid growing up in Dublin? Yeah, I think I always kind of like struggled with my identity. I didn't know which kind of role to play growing up because I was always like the black kid to everybody and then I was always trying to you know, just be this Irish kid, which I am, and I was super confused, I guess. But I just, I don't know, as I've gotten older, I've kind of realized who I am and my DNA and my roots and I just have this super proudness now and I'm fearless with what I do now, that, you know, being my skin colour and what comes with that and stuff and... I feel now you can kind of hear that in my music a lot, and that's a good thing because it just shows growth within myself. So, What helped you get to this point of pride and fearlessness? Yeah, it definitely took a while, and I guess it came with traveling and just you know, going on tour and meeting other people and going to different cities and just seeing the world nice. kind of opens up your mind a little bit more. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'm ready to hear some more music. <laughs> What's the next song we <laughs> should play, Rodney? I'm thinking we should listen to 23. I'm at home smoking weed all day. Scratch marks on my escalate. And you gotta be the antidote. I tattooed you right on my brain. Then why you wanna watch me drown? Act up when I come around. Flex up when we're making out. Tell me how I just run you down. Those lips that I kissed today. Made up it in a foreign way. Stretch marks in my favorite place I hate love but in a crazy way Boy, you ain't gonna lay me down Creased up in a paper crown Pieced up at your parents' house All day, all day Why you gotta say mean things about me? 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 
You know, Reggie, I like something that you said in your Fader interview last year about hip-hop being kind of corny. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about why you gravitated more toward artsy rap and what that disconnect was for you in terms of a lot of the mainstream stuff. Yeah, I think I've just never really gravitated towards the stereotypes with hip-hop and the perceptions and what comes with rapping. And I've just always been more into like the geeky kind of stuff and people like MF Doom and the samples he uses that were jazz samples and stuff. And for me, I've always been more into like jazz and stuff like that because that's kind of the first music that I heard growing up, I feel. And it's the one that inspired me, uh, me the most. Let's go back to the song we were just listening to for a sec because 23. it feels like, which I, I really, I'll say that for a lot of songs on this album, I feel like they could be about a girl or they could be about a relationship or they could just be about you expressing your newfound perspective to the world at large. Yeah, I guess that song I tried to capture like a world, like me and my girl just being super like young, in love and vulnerable, the mistakes and the highs and the lows and... That's one of the oldest songs in the record too, and I made that one in LA. And um, yeah, I just really tried to take it to a place that just feels like like a movie scene, and you get this straight visual, and you're just totally immersed in it. And I don't know, it's hard to do that sometimes, but I feel with that song, you just immediately get thrown in there, and it's super cool. Is cinema a big influence, or were you really going for a cinematic type of feel with this album? Yeah, I think so. I think I really tried to make it like a movie. I don't know, I guess I'm really inspired by movies and I studied film in college, so that's something that's a passion of mine. And I always try to mix both worlds, so like the music and like film ideas and like visual side. And I think if you marry those two worlds, it could just make the music so much better. And I think when you make an album, that should be what it, you know, it is, like an experience and something that can like obviously be enjoyed as well through music, but also like visually as well. Well, maybe this is a good time to talk about the title of the album and the theme that we hear coursing through it in different ways. It's a relationship theme project in some ways. How much of that is real? How much of that is imagined? And what can you tell us about the state of your love life, bro? <laughs> it's it's secured. I'm uh, <laughs> living it I'm in, really. Yeah, <laughs> I'm uh, cuffed or whatever they say. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, I guess with the album, I tried to like really create like a theatrical world with real stories and like real experiences and like past endeavors and I guess just like my life. So I guess the name Dear Annie, Annie doesn't really mean too much to me. I just have this kind of like thing with like old names and that's the name that like for me was most visually, aesthetically pleasing and just sounded cool. So I just ran with that. And as I was making the music, it just really became this world that I kind of planned, but kind of just took its own kind of course by itself. And that was really cool. Now, we were just having a running joke conversation in the studio before. We were before. hypothesizing. Yeah, 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 yeah. About, about the, title the title and Annie and apparently yeah. Robin, who is kindly sitting in and producing this episode for us. He was talking about the Annie dummies back in the day that you would practice CPR on. Resuscitation. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they were called Annie. And then we started talking about Michael Jackson's line, Annie, are you okay? And the fact that if you Google on the Internet somewhere, it's, it says that he might have potentially gotten that line from that because that's the line that you would say to the CPR dummy as you checked for oh, her. Oh, right. So anyway, you, you haven't been taking any CPR classes or anything. No, <laughs> that's interesting. But uh, growing up as a kid, I was afraid of the Annie doll. Just the image just scared me. So I don't know if that has some kind of relation to the, everything that's going on now, but... 
yeah, even with the cover, the girls got ginger hair, and mm-hmm. again, just this imagery, and there's all these representations. Well, see, at first, there w- wasn't the cover supposed to be still ginger, but an afro, a curly afro, instead of the red-headed girl that we see in the field on the cover now. Yeah, there's all, like, all these cover ideas I had just involved budgets and... With the image that came, it's got a funny story. I guess Racky, the producer that I worked with on the album, that's a picture of one of his friends, and he just sent it to me, and he was just like, this photo's sick. And yeah, just because of how it looks, and I just think it made sense, and we just ran with it. How does this reflect your, I mean, some of these, this imagery and some of these thoughts, and you talking about being scared of the Annie doll when you were little, does this in any way reflect how you, in some ways, might relate to women in your life? Every relationship I've been in has been, like, nothing, like, negatives came from after. It's never been, like, super toxic or nothing. So in terms of love, it's always been super nice and chill. And the kind of Annie idea was always for, like, her to represent some kind of evil and Lucifer and trauma and, like, pain and stuff. So it's, like, throughout the album, there's all these different feelings and, like, moods in which Annie represents. Let's go into the title track, I think. This is a a perfect segue. about how much we love this song because it's unexpected. When the first beat comes in, you think the bass is going to drop a lot later, and then all of a sudden it just like hits you, and Jesse Boykin's vocals just take over. And this is partially credited to your producer, Rocky. Rocky, right, Rocky? Yeah, Rocky, yeah. Talk to me about how you guys worked out this beat. Yeah, so with this track, Rocky, from the get-go, he tried to get me out of my comfort zone and, like, rap a little bit faster. So uh, when he first made the beat, I was kind of, like, a little bit scared of it because it just... To, like, rap at that pace was kind of... I wasn't really into it, but I got more into it and it just kind of, like, flowed, like, organically and the song just became the song. Yeah, it's one of my favorite songs on the record. And What are some other ways he pushed you out of your comfort zone? Just through conversation, just like him getting to know me and like my story, uh, it was super fascinating to him. So I feel like the more he got to know me, he was able to tell me things and I wouldn't think, you know, like, oh, like, what's this about? Or like, take it any kind of way. 
What do you think it was about your story that fascinated Rocky? Just everything, just me being from Dublin, being into the things I'm into. And again, I just feel for like when I come to America and even when I went to school here, I was just something new and people you know, hadn't seen somebody, somebody like me before and my story fascinated them. So I guess it just, you know, creates for a different kind of energy. And I guess, you know, in the studio, that's good. And I feel when you share experiences with people, it just makes for better music. Do you think that not necessarily having a, a big hip hop scene in Dublin kind of gave you the freedom to be yourself and create your own style? Because even Sydney and I were talking the other day about the fact that on this side we're starting to get used to hearing artists especially like from the UK and you know just overseas more you know but there's usually still a sound or a style associated with the region right like you got the grime style coming out of the UK and England and And sometimes when it gets over here it's like a diluted version of it at that point because it's it's you know, there's a whole scene to immerse yourself in, but then to really break out, it seems some some of the artists have to conform to something that, okay, this is what people think grime is. This is what people think hip-hop is from the UK, you know? Hmm. Whereas you, you, you seem like you're unbound, totally unbound Absolutely. to any kind of restrictions. Or, mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, I just think I had, a, I had a different outlook in growing up where I grew up because, you know, like, as you said, like, I grew up listening to techno music and with making hip-hop, I've got a different perspective and experience and... At the same time, it's funny because where I'm from, we're like the we're like the biggest hip hop fans. And when I first started making music, I was just trying to be super like American, and nothing about that was like myself, or like you couldn't see any kind of Irish things in that. But I guess as I kind of got more into it, you can kind of see a bit more of just that kind of Dublin swag mm-hmm. and style. And in terms of um, you know mainstream rap and a lot of the narrow confines in which it often presents itself. I'm curious about you being on on the label 300. I know you started out on Honeymoon, which is like a subsidiary of 300. In terms in the rap world, when we think of 300, we think of Migos, who mm-hmm. you know was originally on 300. We think of Fetty Young Wap. Thug, yeah, Fetty Wap. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> we we think of all of this big rap, trappy. But was it strange at all for you? And I know that's not all that 300 represents, but was it strange at all for you to find yourself in the mix and having label mates like that? Of course, it's strange and it's it's weird that that's the other people that I'm on the roster with because, you know, the the kind of music they make is so different in it. But yeah, I feel like with them things, it's good because it kind of opens up the idea for collaboration. Even with Egyptian Lover, like Young Thug was supposed to be on that. And that kind of thing is what kind of makes it cool. The fact that I'm on a label like 300. You mentioned the song Egyptian Lover, which is actually what I would like to play next and discuss. But before we do that, can you talk to me about how Thugger was almost on Egyptian Lover? Yeah, so I guess he's on the same label. So there was always a point where I was coping to get the you know opportunity to collab with him. And it was going to happen, but it just mm-hmm. didn't work out. And yeah, he's one of my favorite artists, like Young Thug. I think he's kind of the way his voice like he uses it as an instrument I kind of feel that's like kind of the thing I'm trying to do as well just because I can't play any instruments per se but I try to like let my voice do that kind of thing and yeah he's somebody I look up to but um Egyptian Lover is uh I think the song the record that completes it Sunrise. Sunrise. Wipe the tears from your eyes. your eyes. Leave it in the past. 
How did you link up with Amine for this track? I wasn't really too hip to Amine's music before the last like two months or so. And the idea to get him on the track came from the label. And uh, then I was a bit skeptical initially. I was I didn't know if it made sense. But when I heard the verse, it was just magic. And I'm super grateful for him for doing that. Well, if we could just play R- Room 27 real fast that song was so interesting to me i just wanted to i was like i was gonna say the same thing i was okay. like oh we have one time for one more let's do the same Always on my own, like, ha-ha-ha-ha Jump to the ledge, like, ha-ha-ha-ha Jump into the sky, like, ha-ha-ha-ha I might do it, like, ha-ha-ha-ha My funeral with 27 people, like, ha Always on my own, I'm like, ha-ha-ha-ha Jump into the sky, like, ha-ha-ha-ha I'm like, So Reggie, you know, first I got to ask you right off the bat, how old are you? Because I got worried after listening to this song. <laughs> uh, 24. Okay. Okay. So, well, tell me about this. I mean, was this totally inspired by the 27 Club or, or what? Because, and it was real subtle the way you did it. It wasn't like an overt reference, but I had to listen to it a few times before I started kind of picking up on that theme. Yeah, for sure. I guess this song, I kind of wrote like a... A short film like a year ago kind of read it recently like a couple months ago and it, it was kind of dealing with like, the kind of isolation you feel as a musician and the loneliness and the feels and this song was yeah to represent that place that you go to and I feel like recently or I can kind of like just feel these different weird things to do with mortality and that's where the song came from well man this has been really dope to get to talk to you we could keep going but people that they can dig into you some more it's 20 tracks on the album it's a very dope album very refreshing and i think you'll definitely be setting you know how hip-hop is the first person out of a region yeah. tends to set the trend mm-hmm. and, and become definitive in terms of how we associate the sound coming from that spot so i think this is definitely a good look for for dublin man and also the outliers the outliers set the trends and you can tell Mm. reggie's not doing something that he thinks should he thinks is gonna pop or you know he's doing something organic to himself and that's that's refreshing yeah thank you guys really appreciate that um it's really good to speak to you guys too thank you all right take care bro take care bye 
All right, that was Reggie Snow. If you're looking him up online, it's R-E-J-J-I-E-S-N-O-W. And that was him talking about his debut album, Dear Annie, out now. For NPR Music, I'm Sydney Madden. And I'm Rodney Carmichael. 27. Support for this podcast and the following message come from the NPR Wine Club, where every bottle tells a story and NPR shows become wines, like Weekend Edition Cabernet Sauvignon. Available to adults 21 years or older. Learn more at nprwineclub.org.